0: Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Square Scare and Prayer Show with me and Tim out here at Nubs. Two N's, two B's. We're back at it again this year where we're bringing you guys some players that you must start, consider benching, and some flyers for you. We'll get into the exacts of each one of this segment as we get into it. But we first, we want to talk about last year and why you should stick with us for the entire season. We hit on these picks at a 69% rate nice last year which was honestly it's a very unsustainable market. It's one that we hope to bring back to you guys again now we made our requirements for all of these sections a little more strict this year as well because we want this to be very useful for you guys but before we get into our picks for this week you know what we gotta do welcome you're listening to jwb fantasy football thanks for listening All right, guys. So to start things off this week, we are jumping into our square section. Now, our squares, it's a typical starter or a fringe starter with legit public concerns. People are coming to us with their start sits. It's a frequent player. Someone people are uncertain if they need to start. Now, our squares hit if they finish as a top 10 quarterback or tight end, a top 24 wide receiver, or a top 18 running back. Tim, why don't you get us started with your square for week one?
1: Excited. It's a new season. Week one, I'm going with Mike Williams. The reason why I'm going with Mike Mike Williams is I actually think that both Chargers pass catchers in this game are, both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, are worth the start. But I think that there are some concerns or there there might be some um, questions about lineups with teams that have a little bit deeper wide receiver position. And I'm here to quell those concerns over Mike Williams. Even just last year, if we look at the matchup last year, right? This matchup was supposed to go... 55-plus over-under 55 last year. It only hit 40 points. But that being said, both Charger wide receivers were top 15. Keenan was wide receiver 15, and Mike Williams was wide receiver 5. And um, Mike Williams went 6-for-6, 116 yards and a touchdown. So very efficient day. Some big plays for sure, definitely in a touchdown. But some things things I want to talk about this game is that this year it's 51 over-under. So it's still considered to be a pretty highlight game. And they produced that level only, with only a total of 40 points last year. So this game has even a higher potential for more points, more fantasy points, and greater amounts of production. So just a couple things to com- uh, compare with uh, with Miami. They uh, were sixth worst last year in passing yards allowed per game, and they lost one of their replacement cornerbacks in Jalen Ramsey. He's not going to be available for this game. I'm not actually sure the timetable in which he's going to be out, but it's going to be for a while. And then there were seventh and passing touchdowns allowed to to the wide receivers. So there is a lot of opportunity here for the wide receivers to just go bonkers, especially if Miami is able to match up in terms of scoring back and forth with the Chargers, which that was the issue last year is that there wasn't as much scoring as we were expecting, and they still were both top 15. So for me, I don't have any concerns about these guys. Yes, Mike Williams could could get injured, but that could happen to any player on any week, but I'm definitely expecting a top 24 week. And if if you were considering benching Mike Williams, you'd have to have like five wide receivers in front of him inside of ranks to not find a way to put him in your lineup.
0: I think there's guys all across the field. I'm basically starting every single starter here for the chargers, except Quentin Johnson. We are going to wait and see exactly how that usage deploys in week one. And then the other side of the ball with Miami, we're firing up all our Miami dolphins as well, except maybe Devon H and we're going to wait and see a week as well. So this is a very exciting matchup. I love the call. I agree. There are basically zero situations. You're not starting Mike Williams. It's got to be a league where you're only starting two wide receivers or three and you are four or five deep and you have legitimate top 18 studs over Mike Williams. What we love with Mike Williams is he get enough volume where he should finish as a wide receiver three on a bad week, but, We all know the big playability and the touchdown upside of Mike Williams could give you wide receiver one weeks at any point. So I absolutely am there with you, agree with you 100%, Tim. You have to start Mike Williams this week if you have him.
1: And that's a big deal too about the QJ because QJ is probably not going to be a target threat to take away their targets so they're going to be somewhat consolidated to the wide receivers I'm not saying they can't go to the tight ends or eckler as well i'm saying just for the wide receiver position it's going to be keenan it's going to be mike mike williams and this was actually mike williams second best week last year at 23.6 points that he scored in this game so it could, for me it i feel like that's a threshold he could hit again especially if we get into that track meet situation and um, i'm very confident that mike williams is going to return top 24 value for sure
0: 100% and when the the point totals over 50, you know, touchdowns are expected and who else other than Austin Eckler probably Mike Williams. Now, I'm going to keep things pushing here and give you my square of the week. It is going to be Kirk Cousins, but I'm going to get a little spicy with this one. Kirk Cousins will finish as a top 7 quarterback this week. That is what I'm making a call here for Kirk Cousins because this is a guy whose ADP was quarterback 11. He is quarterback 12 in ECR for the week at the moment or at least when we took our notes for recording and I want him in all of your lineups it's really what I'm making the call here when you're at 11 or 12 a lot of people might be deciding between him or another quarterback and he might end up on a lot of your benches now my problem with keeping Kirk Cousins on the bench is he's going up against Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay allowed the 10th most fantasy points to quarterbacks last year the 7th most fantasy points to wide receivers now the vikings they have the fourth highest implied point team total for this week at 26 they were seventh in pace of play in 2022 and their defense loss eric kendricks patrick peterson zadaria smith and cameron dantzler i think that this game could end up being one where the what the wide receivers keep this game interesting this is one where both teams really rely on their offenses going through the wide receiver position and that will lead to a lot of passing attempts. And I think if Kirk Cousins gets you over 35 passing attempts, you are getting a quarterback one week out of him. And with Kirk Cousins, I like the opportunity for him to do even better than that as well. So it's it's just it's just a matchup that I feel really confident in here. I think Kirk Cousins is going to be a quarterback one more weeks than he isn't this year, just like he was last year. Go and fire up Kirk Cousins with confidence in week one.
1: Yeah, I think something else you should consider is that what type of success is Minnesota going to have on the ground, especially against that defensive line of Tampa Bay's, where they are very stout against the run? So that's something else that you're probably going to see. If there isn't success early, they're going to transition even into even more passing. And with all of those players lost on defense, as well as the fact that they were... The defense was one of the reasons they were such imposters in the playoffs last year, because their defense throughout the entire season, you could tell, was just a sieve. They were calling, They were calling plays that weren't even like... Um, beneficial to the defensive players they actually had in that defensive backfield. So there's a lot of questions around this team that isn't surrounding the passing game. where The passing game is something that we know is concrete for sure going to produce.
0: Yeah, it's it's a matchup where I think Rashad White is going to thrive in this game as well. And Baker Mayfield, for your two quarterback leagues, I do think ends up being a top 24 quarterback for this week. So I'm just big on this matchup in general. I apologize, guys, for stumbling a little bit. My Kirk Cousins, I was trying to quickly see because what he is starting at on sleeper, he's only starting in 11 percent of leagues. That's what I was trying to look for. And that mark is just much too low for me. I think he should be starting in. At least five, six, seven times that number, I think Kirk Cousins is going to finish top seven. Now, guys, moving forward, every week, right after we do our squares for you, when we get into the meat and potatoes of this thing, our bench, which is always the hardest one to get right, our scares for the week, and then the fun part of the show with the prayers, we jump into an accountability segment because what is this show if we do not come back and critique our place from last week, let you know what we got right, what we got wrong, what we make of it. I usually fire Tim a couple questions and then we keep it pushing. Now this week, obviously we do not have those questions for you, but we're just letting you guys know that this is all about accountability, right? We're not coming in here, just throwing out plays and then whatever sticks, sticks, Again, last year, we were 50 and 26 on the season for these calls, 69% as a unit between the two of us. And we're hoping to do the best we can for you guys this year, even though it's stricter, guys. If we can get over 60% with it being even stricter, we're going to be absolutely stoked. Now, we're going to keep things moving. We are getting into our scare section now. Our scare player is somebody that is within the ECR, the expert consensus rankings on fantasy pro they're inside or equal to the top 10 quarterback tight ends, top 30 wide receivers or top 20 running backs. And for our scare pick to hit, they have to finish outside the top 12 quarterbacks and tight ends, the top 36 wide receivers and the top 24 running backs. So we can't just pick a guy who's right on the fringe and say, he's going to finish a spot below. We have to be confident in this take. Now, Tim, Tim, What player is scaring the crap out of you for week one? I'm going with Dak.
1: Um, There's a, there's a lot of information that I'm going to present that I feel provides the reasons why I, even for the last few years have not been that confident in Dak, especially as a QB one. Now, if we're talking super flex leagues, he's probably going to start, but for me, I I'm more likely seeing him as like below QB 17 in scoring this week. I'm not even looking at him as a guy that just misses like, I see a lot of a lot of contributing factors to why his point totals are what they are. And just to kind of get into that, he averaged 16.8 points per game last year. It was uh 16.9 if we didn't include the last week, excuse me. And then in six of his 12 starts, he was a QB two or worse, meaning like under QB 12, but like basically was QB 15 or worse. And a couple of things contributing to that. I think uh, that with going in a Mike McCarthy Calling the plays this year, and them saying they're going to run more, I expect I expect the plays per game to go down. So we're even talking about this this team that last year had a pretty um, prophetic offense, and Dak was still scoring under seventeen points per game. And this isn't even the first time that McCarthy said that he's going to get rid of he's never going to get rid of play calling again. He said that twice already. So I think there's a couple of things that when we're talking about uh, historical success of McCarthy calling plays, yeah, he had Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. But Aaron Rodgers basically checked every play that he wanted to change at the line anyway. So his true success inside of Green Bay really was um, in tandem with one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen in the last 30 years. Uh, as well, something that I've noticed is that his lack of rushing over the past three seasons. So his yards per game in 2022 was 13.8. Then it went to 9.1. And then 21.5, the... I did 21 and a half the, the year he got injured against the Giants, which was actually four games versus he actually had the five with the Giants. I didn't include it in the number because he didn't play the whole game. So I'm not trying to skew these stats. So there's not even rushing upside on the ground where he's giving you a bunch of extra points to contribute to his 17 point week. As well as he's been a turner, turnover machine. He had 15 interceptions last year uh, four fumbles, but I think he only lost one. So there's all the, the, there's just been a bunch of opportunity for this to happen as well as there's been an issue with his ability to read coverage or be on the same page with CD lamb, because a lot of the times he's trying to read deep safeties and he's having issues because lamb will either, um, run the crosser in front of the safety when Dak is expecting him to go deep or the opposite where they just become straight turnovers. So those are things that they have to really get uh, controlled and under un, under wraps before like I'm really going to start believing in his ability to score points. And then um in 2021, he averaged 18.6 points per game and 7 of his 16 starts that year were QB2 or worse. So we're looking at basically 50% chances that that Dak is a QB1. And against the Giants, I'm really not expecting that cuz last year he put up 16.8 against the Giants, which was QB17 on the on the week and Dallas last year was eighth in place per game now if they're running the football that play per game average or that play per game rank excuse me is going to go down because it's going to be more ball control there's good the ball the clocks going to be running more often because they're not going to be as many incomplete passes so if we're talking about they they having the the eighth uh, eighth best in terms of offensive production in, in terms of output per game with the plays, and that's going to be reduced, as well as they were number one last year in red zone touchdown percentage at seventy one point four percent. So that can only go down, right? And so if they're if they're going to be playing less plays, they're going to be having less opportunities in, in the the red zone, and they're probably going to be less efficient at it. Where are the touchdowns coming from? So for this week, I'm definitely going to be out on Dak at that that QB. Uh, what he's QB twelve ECR. His ADP was ten. So. His expectation is he's supposed to perform as a top-12 QB, and I just don't see it. Like There's just so, so many things. And then if we look at the quarterbacks that are below him, you have Watson, you have uh, Daniel Jones, you have Rodgers. Uh, there's a, a vast variety of other quarterbacks as well that are below him that could easily just outscore him anyway. So I'm looking at him from him scoring a, a basically a floor and ceiling around 17 right now because of the fact he's not rushing, and then all of the other replacement quarterbacks that you could bring in for the week that you could play over them and probably see way better production.
0: No, I re- I do like the call. It is tough. Daniel Jones struggled in the matchups against Dallas last year as well, despite Dallas being one of the softer matchups against quarterbacks. But you mentioned the pace of play for Dallas between um, him and Slottenheimer between McCarthy and Slottenheimer, the two of them, we have one of the healthiest sample sizes in the league and you break down Slottenheimer's entire history. His average pace of play is 63.1. You break down McCarthy's it's 63.1. So I have a very, Legitimate, uh, I think concrete confidence that we're going to be around 63.1 plays per game for this team this year, which if you go back and you look to 2022, 2021 and 2020, that would have been 19, 17th and 24th. So I think at best, you're talking about league average, right to slightly below league average is what we're looking at in terms of play versus with Kellen Moore we had a guy who gave us a top eight in place per game three years in a row for those three seasons. So it is a different look, Dallas, and, um, you know, week one that really could come into play there for Dak Prescott. So I do like the call.
1: Green Bay with McCarthy had an eighth, a tenth, and a 22nd, and a 24th with him calling plays in terms of place per game. So he's been all over the board. But if we look at trends, you know, I'm expecting bottom, or,
0: you know, late 20s, early 20s. So I'm with you on that. All right. So for my scare of the week, I'm going to go with Damian Pierce, which shouldn't shock any of you guys. He's been a player that here at JWB, we've been below consensus on for both dynasty redraft for just about everything in week one. That will not stop. He will finish outside of the top 24 this week. He was drafted as the 18th running back and his weekly ECR is running back 20. So right at the bottom of our requirements, but still outside the top 24, I think is coming for him. Baltimore, they're the largest favorites on the week, minus nine and a half, which could lead to receiving opportunities. Except Devin Singletary coming into town, we don't exactly know how it's going to deploy between the two. Damien Pierce did get full drives in the preseason, but perhaps that was a tryout to see exactly between him and Devin Singletary who is going to take down uh, that role. And for Devin Singletary. That's what got him on the field so much with Buffalo. Now he might have brick hands, but out there, he's as good as a pass blocker as anybody. He's somebody that they can trust. Uh, they didn't bring him in for a whole lot of money, but he's somebody who really won over the room in Buffalo, stuck it out as the starter for, for basically his entire tenure there after Frank Gore left. And I would not be surprised if he cars out a, a little bit more of a role than we were thinking with Houston, especially a team with a rookie quarterback that probably wants to protect him. Now I think Damian Pierce is a fantastic runner, but You take away that receiving. I mean, he, with the full backfield to himself last year, saw three and a half targets per game. So adding Demon Singletary, I have legitimate concerns that that number comes down. And if we have to rely on the run game there for Damian Pierce in week one, well, Baltimore is very solid against the run. They allowed the fifth lowest yardage to running backs in 2020. 22 so i think a touchdown is what would save damian pierce's day and i really do not want to bet on a touchdown when i'm talking with my start sits i prefer options as we mentioned earlier with uh, alexander madison rashad white but i also prefer raheem mostert who is definitely someone who is a lot lower down in rankings this week and i also prefer a player like brian robinson jr who we may talk a little bit more about in just a bit, but that is my scare for the week. I'm not playing Damian Pierce. If I have a better option, which is an important thing to note for these scare sections. We are not saying you must bench notice how with the squares we have right on the screen for, it says you must start them for the scares. Just consider benching them. Sometimes you just don't have a better option. People can say bench Najee Harris this week. Well, if you drafted Najee Harris in the fifth round, as your running back to you probably don't have another option because you drafted him early and you probably had a hammer wide receivers. Your next running back might be like a tank Bigsby and we're not going to tell you to start tank Bigsby over Najee Harris. So really it comes down to what are your other options. Now you can check our weekly rankings at FantasyFootball.com, where you will see our consensus for other options. You can hop in the discord, which is down in the description, get in our free chat and discuss with our community what some better options options would be as well as for any of these videos, not just our show here with Tim and I, any take we ever have, if you tag us in the discord in one of the chats, the appropriate chat and ask us to defend our take further, we will jump down there and have that conversation with you because that's what this thing is all about. It's opening conversations. Uh, Tim, how do you feel about Damien Pierce? Uh, and then we, we can move on.
1: I agree. I, I think that the question you have to ask yourself is where's the upside. Now, it's possible that Baltimore comes out and wants to showcase their new offense. I, I actually debated using J.K. Dobbins as my square this week because I think he could probably have a pretty good week against a defense. that hasn't been great, but they got a new head coach that, you know, is a pretty good defensive coordinator and they brought in some defensive players. So I'm not 100 percent sure that I wanted to, to run that route because I think that Houston could even perform pretty decently on defense, which once again, if they do. Where's the upside? So I think that Damian Pierce is very dependent on long plays or breakaway plays, and I'm not sure that that uh, Baltimore is going to give those up on the ground. They did give them up through the air end of fourth quarters and end of uh, second quarters before halves. But I just I don't see the opportunity for Damian Harris to bust a big one, and they're going to need to get in the red zone probably multiple times for him to have a, a touch an opportunity. I don't think they, they get there. Hundred percent.
0: And if you guys do happen to have J.K. Dobbins, he needs to be in that lineup, I guess. As Tim mentioned, and we mentioned earlier, the largest favorites in Week 1 in Houston last year, the rule of thumb was if you had a running back starter or second start or uh, 1A or 1B in an offense, you were playing them against Houston. They were by far and away the worst in terms of giving fantasy points to the running back, not because the defense even was that terrible, it was because the offense was so terrible and the team was always behind where teams just got to run the ball down their throat. That's the same reason why wide receivers scored almost at a league low against Houston. Houston. it's because you didn't have to throw the football now guys we are moving to our last section our favorite section it is our prayer section right which is a flyer start a guy on your bench or maybe deep down on that waiver wire now our qualifiers for the prayers they are either ranked by the ecr outside the top 15 quarterbacks and tight ends top 36 wide receivers, top 24 running backs. And for those qualifiers, they have to finish inside the top 12 quarterback tight ends, top 30 wide receivers, and top 18 running backs. So we're really pinching that one for you guys. But also because some of you guys have deeper leagues, every now and again we're going to throw in even deeper flyers with guys who are outside the top 24 quarterbacks or tight ends, top 60 wide receivers, and top 36 running backs. And for those deep flyers, they have to finish inside the top 18 quarterback tight ends, 48 wide receivers and 30 running backs. Now, Tim, who do you like this week as a flyer prayer pick?
1: I like this guy this week. I like this guy in the off season. I like this guy next week. I like this guy this entire season. His name is Brian Robinson. Somebody that you would probably allude to as one of your replaceable players for Pierce. Um, I think that Brian Robinson really had an ir, uh, representative season about uh, of his skill set as well as his ceiling when it comes to fancy points as well as NFL caliber player because I think the quarterback play last year really worked to his detriment him getting shot didn't help because it really limited his his availability <laughs> to start as well as his um his snap share throughout the season was, was below 50% a lot of the time. And I think a lot of that has to do with both game script as well as, you know, quarterback competency. And I think that Taylor Heineke worked against many people on his team, especially Terry McLaurin. Sorry. I really, really dislike Taylor Heineke. So getting into Brian Robinson, he has a matchup against Arizona this week who allowed 118.6 yards rushing against running backs. They also were fourth, Worst allowing points per game to running backs at 24.2 points per game, as well as over a touchdown a game allowed to the running back position. So there's a lot of opportunity here for a running back or two because I also really like Gibson um, for the season and for Dynasty. I think they're both back end uh, RB2s for the season. That I think that there's enough opportunity for both of these guys to really perform well. And based on the limitations of the offense last year, they they had 56 percent uh, touchdown percentage when they got in the red zone. There was only 11 targets for the running backs and 56 total touches for the running backs inside the, inside the red zone. So I expect this offense to be better for the season, but I also expect it to be really good against this Arizona defense that has never proven that they can defend anything in the past, probably 10 years, especially against tight ends. They were automatic plays against tight ends for forever. So based on his output last year with the below 50% snaps, 9.2 points per game was his average on the season. And comparing that to just top 24 last year, which was 11.8. And we're losing a bunch of players that were in that, like Fournette, even Kamara won't be playing. There's opportunity for this guy to come in, be top 24, but we're talking about top 18 this week. And I think that that's something that we're going to see from Brian Robinson. I think Brian Robinson is a good replacement for guys that you're not 100% sure on based on their their injuries or potential um, game scripts or Uh, how they're going to be used in lineups with their own team. So I think if you're still looking for some uh, concrete information or feedback from the actual teams before you play certain guys that you drafted, Brian Robinson is a perfect replacement to slide in there. Even looking at him as like a trade opportunity, he doesn't cost very much. And he could be a guy that gives you that solidified RB2 and um doesn't really change any of your lineups because you're probably able to negotiate moving a couple players off your bench for a guy that you can put in your lineup. As well as uh 10 of the 12 games he played last year he finished top 36 or better and he was top 16 four times in that same um same time frame. So like I said, did it with limited snap share. He only had two rushing touchdowns and three touchdowns on the season. So we're actually looking at a guy with probably much greater touchdown upside than what we're looking at. And he was the lead back in the preseason, did catch four balls. So I think that like a 30 reception season isn't out of the ordinary. He showed capabilities inside of college when he when he would be able to do that, as well as he really understands the playbooks that he plays in very well and creates him, uh, the opportunity for him to be a pressure release, especially when it comes to a quarterback that'll come out of the pocket like Howell. So all these things I see as beneficial. Some of them can also be tied to Gibson. If you have Gibson, I wouldn't feel too bad about starting him. But my guy is Brian Robinson this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, he might have that touchdown regression. I surely hope, I surely hope, and Washington's offense just wasn't getting it done last year. I mean, having a less than 1% touchdown rate on the ground is pretty tough. You want your running backs to be at least over 3% in that, in that category gives give you uh, the ceiling numbers that you want, but we can see if we get that out of Brian Robinson. So one thing that was good about him, we liked him coming out of college, just his size being 6'1", 230 pounds. He was just a little meatball who was maybe not the best on the ground uh, cutter type rusher, but he was a powder. He can really get the job done. He's a guy who can handle a big workload. You saw it last year with the amount of carries he got once he came in was crazy. The amount of 20 plus touch games he got was what kept him afloat. It's what gave him all of those finishes. And when you do have a matchup against what is what I project to be the worst team in the NFL, this is a game where he may just see the 20 carries. And if you're telling me any running back in the league, I don't care what they play like it's 20 carries. They're probably going to find their way into my lineup. Now, my only thing with Brian Robinson for long-term going past week one I just really hope that he starts to get a couple of those receptions. As you mentioned in college, he showed that he was capable. That's why we liked him. We said, "Hey guys, in your dynasty, so he's taking him at the end of the second, early third, because you'll, he'll always be there." And he's a guy who has NFL size. And he's shown he can catch balls when they're thrown his way, which is someone who is going to always have a role in the NFL as long as he runs with the right team. And we got just that from him. I just wish we would see a little bit more. He saw one or less receptions in seven of his 12 games, and he never had more than two. So really, that's just the only knock on him, especially with Antonio Gibson basically being a wide receiver. Um, But in week one, you get the luxury of a guy who should get 20, you know, 15 to 20 carries minimum anyway. And you get to see how this offense works and how it's deployed between him and Antonio Gibson. So it was a really good opportunity for both ways. As you mentioned, he is a good fill, right? Some of you guys, as much as we love Brees Hall, if you had a matchup this week where maybe your opponent played Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Noah Gray on Thursday night, and they gave them very little impact into their lineup, and then you are now feeling a little bit more comfortable with your team, but you have Brees Hall who is Monday night and questionable, and you don't want to run that risk. I think Brian Robinson is completely fair to throw in your lineup over a player like Brees Hall for this upcoming week. Maybe you had Cooper Cup as an injured player, and you can slide a Hollywood Brown, Deontay Johnson, whatever, into that last wide receiver spot, and then you can slide Brian Robinson into the flex. I think he is a good, safe play for this week, him and Gibson, but I I am there with you on Brian Robinson. I think he is a very shrewd play for week one. Now, guys, this should shock none of you guys. It's a player I've talked about at length all offseason. Tim is on record saying he's one of his guys for this season, too. So we're all in amongst ACL running backs, I suppose, between him and Brees. <laughs> it's going to be Javonta Williams, who, you know, he his ADP was running back 27 coming into the year. And this week in ECR, he was running back 30. So I'm calling Javante Williams within our parameters to finish top 20. Now the Broncos find themselves as favorites in this week, actually four point favorites and Sean Payton's history of targeting running backs. This is my case for the floor. He is targeted over 20% to the running back position every year since 2011, which is above league average. It's normally around like 18%. So you're expecting an above average rate of targets going towards the running back position. And The Broncos have four wide receivers on their roster, and this is including Jerry Judah, who may not play week one. Four wide receivers, four tight ends, three running backs, and a fullback. Tim, what is that? What what does that personnel tell you? What are they gonna do? They want to run the ball. They want to run the ball. So that's exactly what I think we're gonna get. And Sean Payton was optimistic. Of course, it was Unofficial. It could be coach talk, but he seemed optimistic in Javante's expected role. He's going to be out there for week one. The unofficial depth chart, as much as we don't have putting too much stock into that, does have him listed as the starter. He profiles as the only guy on the team to really be between the tackles runner there. Samadri so Piran is a little bit of a do-it-all type back, and McLaughlin is more that receiving back who I don't expect too much work from him in week one. Las Vegas is their opponent. And now this is the big, this is what is pushing me to say top 20 for Javante. Despite us having uncertainty around week one, they allowed the fourth most points per game to running backs last year, including the fourth most touchdowns. Now again, four tight ends, three running backs at a fullback and their favorites. I like the odds that if they do score it's going to be through the ground. So that's the ceiling case for Javante. I think he gets enough targets and carries to give him a little bit of a floor, a low fringe RB2 floor. And then I think that the touchdown upside this week is legitimate. And that is what could put him over the top. So Javante Williams is a guy I'm confident sliding in as my RB2 or a last flex for this week.
1: I love it. I don't think there's anything else I have to say. I've been preaching it all off season. And I, I understand. I understand. We are talking about guys that have ACL issues, but the coach, as well as other uh reporters that see him that have seen him perform already this offseason, say they see no issues whatsoever. I understand that injury could come back. I get it. But if we're talking about a limp or we're talking about uh instability in the, in the in the knee or a lack of confidence, they haven't seen any of that. So I'm I'm all in because I believe in the talent. I'm also all in because I believe in the price, and I'm all in because I believe he's healthy.
0: Yeah, there we go. I mean, listen, with J.K. Dobbins, we saw the setbacks. That's what really happened. We haven't seen the He had a second procedure, right? And we haven't seen that yet with Javante Williams. Could that come down the line? Sure. But when we were talking to the guy who, as I said, his ADP was running back 27, it's banked into the cost, right? If we knew that there wasn't the chance he could uh, pick something up or have a second procedure or have a setback at some point early into the season, he would be going as a top 18 running back in the ADP, average draft position. So uh, it was banked in there. Now, We normally end the show here, but because it's week one, we want to get a couple more under our belt. I thought I'd throw in a couple bonus prayer plays. I'm going to start off with one that is a little spicy Michael Thomas. Yes, we called Michael Thomas last year. Yes, he hit last year. We are going back to the well. Michael Thomas will finish as a top 30 wide receiver in week one. So, in your three wide receiver leagues, he is hitting your lineup. I think he's a fine flex for your two wide receiver leagues. Now, his average draft position was wide receiver 42. He is wide receiver 40 in the fantasy pros expert consensus rankings. Now, he plays against Tennessee. This is a matchup driven decision here for me. They allowed 32.6 points per game to wide receivers in the second half of 2022, which was league second worst. Now, They allowed the most points on the entire season. So that wasn't just the second half step. They were bad all year. Now, PFF, as much as you can say what you want about them, they still have Tennessee ranked as a bottom seven secondary. So we don't see a significant amount of improvement on paper there for Tennessee. And they allowed the second most touchdowns to wide receivers. Now, Michael Thomas is still a red zone threat. I believe if he is healthy, he scored Three touchdowns in his first three games that we got in 2022, and that showed me that he is still that guy. Now, it's terms of total volume, how good he's with the bonus hands, he has to show us proof of product with that. But when it comes to one of the softest matchups you could possibly get, and red zone upside for a guy who showed it to us the last time he was on the field. I think that he is a solid play. Still second on that depth chart. All reports say he is healthy. Some may say they want to see it to believe it, but I'm firing up Michael Thomas in week one.
1: Couple things. I don't think Fulton's going to follow Thomas. I think Fulton's going to be more on Olave. And I don't really believe in any of their other defensive backs that much. Like Farley's not even playing. He's, he's been really a disappointment since he's gotten in the league. I understand he's been injured a lot but we still have to look at the ability and the performance that we've gotten from him. And he wasn't very good. So I think that there is going to be opportunity. I I can't say I'm hundred percent in on Thomas, but I can understand the argument. I think that there are conditions for it to be good because like I said, I don't, I'm not sure they even have a guy that can cover him if Michael Thomas is healthy. So, this could be a, a, a big week, and definitely a top 30 week if everything goes right and uh, the, the like the conditions are proper, but uh, I guess we'll see. And I, I think that uh, he's a guy definitely to take a risk on if you're looking for someone that can provide you um, a high upside if he hits. And I think Thomas is one of those guys.
0: Now, a lot of people who drafted Michael Thomas, because of where you got him in drafts, they hammered running backs early and then they were scrapping for what wide receivers they were pick- painting the upside picture too for themselves and michael thomas and being that guy my thing is, is if you drafted michael thomas i didn't draft any michael thomas this year so i don't have actually him in some of my lineups. but if i had him on my roster i have him in a couple dynasty teams and he is in my lineup i want to add one more prayer for you guys this week we're going back to that chargers dolphins game here i'm throwing out gerald everett who is the expert consensus ranking tight end 16 on the week his average average was tight end 20 i'm going to promise you guys that Gerald Everett's gonna finish top twelve in week one. Now, this is tough because all all weapons are healthy this week. So you might not paint yourself the picture that the volume is gonna be that significant. But they have Kellen Moore in town now, who, as we mentioned, was top eight in pace of play all of the last three years in Dallas, having over 65 and a half plays per game in every single year. And last year, he was at 65 and a half, was his lowest pace of play in the three years in Dallas. Each of the other seasons were over 67. So if we expect to see more total plays in the game, I'm not as concerned with all of the weapons being there and being healthy. Now, additionally, The fourth most touchdowns allied to tight ends in 2022 was from the Miami Dolphins. And Gerald Everett saw the sixth most red zone targets amongst tight ends in 2022. And he only had one of those targets in the games where both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams missed. So I don't think that was exclusively because Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were not there. I think when they get into the red zone, Gerald Everett is a legitimate target. So with a game that is expected, as we mentioned, to throw points, the point total is over 50 for a guy who led uh the the team t- tight ends and was top of in the league in red zone targets I like Gerald Everett's matchup this week I like him as a tight end dreamer he's out there on your waiver wire a lot of you guys who had Travis Kelsey are looking for that guy and a couple people come up to me even in person today and ask me personally I drafted Travis Kelsey who am I going and I said go look at your wire see if Gerald Everett's there see if Juwan Johnson's there and pick one of these two guys now I have them Back-to-back, back. I have Gerald Everett one spot ahead. I think more touchdown upside there. With Juwan Johnson, I think a little bit more volume is coming his way. But those are the guys this week. If, you, if you're if you struggling at tight end, they're out there on your wire, one of the two, and you're going to play them.
1: Yeah, chase the Chargers' patch catchers in this matchup. He's one of those pass catchers. Enough said for me. I don't have anything more to add.
0: I love it, guys. Now, that does it for our Square Scare and Prayer section. Please go down in the comments. Let us know what you disagree with. Let us know a little bit of feedback on the show. If anything was a little bit rusty today, we are getting back into the swing of things here over at JWB, but you can expect shows every single day this season. We have at least nine full shows throughout the week, so we are happy to have you guys here with us. You can jump down in the Discord. link is in the description. You can get our start sit down in there, as well as join the Patreon. You get an expert Uh, guarantee from us we give our consensus on all of your start sits for less than a dollar a week as well as our clips catalog in the description we have a take down there for every single player if you can think of a player that we don't have down there let us know in the discord and we will make a take on the player we have for every single player a dynasty take as well as we have labeled our redraft getting ready for redraft as well as in season we'll have them listed by what week the take is so go check it out for sure you can find all things JW at jdb underscore ff on twitter tim at Nums two n's two b's and we will get out of here see you guys next time